Hi, and welcome to Gospel Wabi Sabi. I'm Jeff Ebert, and I'm excited to have you join in this podcast where we explore God's good news for imperfect people like you and me. And this is uh, Season 3, Episode 8. It's our journey through the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. And I'm going to do something maybe a little bit radical today. You may not like it, but hey, it's my podcast, so I can do what I want. I'm just going to skip over a few chapters and land us in Chapter 10 for today. I feel like if I go through chapters 6 through 9 in detail, then I'm going to get really bogged down and this series will last a whole lot longer than I want it to. Most of what is in those chapters just repeats the themes that have already been introduced and explored, and I don't want to get into the Department of Redundancy Department. I mean, there are some great insights in there, and I do encourage you to read through chapters 6 through 9 on your own, but I'm moving on to chapter 10, and actually we're only going to look at one verse from chapter 10 It'll be verse 10, and I'll explain why as we get into it in a moment. I just want to take a moment again to thank all of you who are financial supporters of this podcast. I hope the weekly emails and questions for small group discussion are of value to you. Please let me know how your small groups are going and how people are responding to this book of the Bible. And please share your podcast with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Uh, They don't have to go back and start with season one. They can jump in anywhere they'd like. And to become a supporter, just follow the link in the program notes or email me at jebert1 at icloud.com, and I'll send you the link to my hosting platform. I couldn't do this without your support, so thanks again. This week I had some extra moments to meditate on all the things we've been looking at in our journey through the book of Ecclesiastes. And if you remember, the word Ecclesiastes means the teacher. It was probably written by Solomon, son of King David, who was now king over all Israel. He was the richest and most powerful man in the entire Mediterranean region during his lifetime. But his wisdom and wealth didn't translate into happiness or satisfaction with his life. So he's normally seen as kind of a sourpuss prophet who's singing the blues as he anticipates that God has got to do something. God has got to intervene and do something to change the world because human beings alone can't do it. Happiness eludes us apart from God's intervention. He very clearly articulates the darkness that comes from success without meaning, relationships without love, work without purpose, and how impotent human beings are at changing these universal truths. So, sure, we can disguise them, we can build bigger and shinier toys, we can have all kinds of digital distractions to keep us from thinking too deeply about the meaning of our lives and the direction of our ultimate destiny. And in that way, Solomon's somber writings sort of anticipate and clarify our need for a Savior. But Solomon, writing 900 years before Jesus, he doesn't see God's solution fully focused yet. So his writings take on this listlessness about life, and I would say a sense of depression, because he doesn't see the light that is coming through Jesus. Now, in thinking about today's passage from chapter 10, we see something different is happening in this chapter than in previous chapters. Solomon now slips back into proverb mode, proverb mode. You see, King Solomon was famous for his proverbs, these short, pithy, wise sayings about life. And God gave him incredible wisdom to observe life and describe it succinctly. Now, in 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 32, we're told Solomon wrote over 3,000 Proverbs. That's what Solomon did best. He contributed heavily to the book of Proverbs in the Bible. But he wasn't the only author of that book. 
His fingerprints are all, all over, are, are all over it, but he wasn't the only one. But he was the proverb guy. And that's what he was known for. So in chapter 10, he interrupts his personal journal about his struggles with the meaning of life, and he goes back into proverb mode. Now, it's important to understand that there's a difference between a proverb and a promise. You don't read a proverb the same way you read a promise. A promise is an absolute truth, something God says to all people everywhere, something God guarantees, no ifs, ands, or buts. A promise would be something like Romans 10, verse 9. If you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's an absolute promise from God, a promise of salvation that is true because it is based on the character of God. A proverb, on the other hand, describes things that are generally true. By observation, Solomon concludes these things are normally what happens, but there can be exceptions to these rules. Proverbs tells us when tells us what happens most of the time, but not every single time. So don't read a proverb the way you might read a promise. Don't build your faith on a proverb like you would a promise. I mean, we can still learn great wisdom for life and avoid a lot of heartache and misery and mistakes if we do follow the Bible's proverbs, but they're not the same as an absolute promise. Today's passage comes at the end of a Hebrew poem where Solomon gives five simple examples of actions and their consequences with a hint of a warning in each one to get you to think about what you're doing before you do it. There are a series of if-then statements. If you do this, then this will happen. God allows consequences to follow our actions. And some of these consequences are pretty predictable. I'll let you read the whole chapter for yourself, but here's just that one verse I want us to focus in on. Uh, chapter 10, verse 10. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, then you'll need more strength. But with wisdom comes success. Or as the Good News translation, translation puts it this way, if your axe is dull and you don't sharpen it, you have to work harder to use it. It's smarter to plan ahead. Well, what's that proverb got to do with us? I mean, I've done some firewood splitting this year, but there are no lumberjacks among us, I don't think. So let me paraphrase management guru Stephen Covey and how he uses this proverb in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. That book probably more than any other shaped my leadership style and my uh, whole career, I think. And so I highly recommend it if you're just starting out in the business world, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, tremendous stuff there that I think it's probably the best uh, personal management or leadership book ever written. Stephen Covey's the name. But Covey goes on to say, imagine that after like a hurricane or an, or an ice storm, you come upon a man who was feverishly using an axe to cut up a downed tree. Now, I know there's some wise guy out there who's saying, well, why doesn't he just use a chainsaw? Well, just stick with the illustration, okay? So he's using an axe to try and cut up a downed tree. And you can see the sweat on his brow and can almost feel the blisters on his hands as he repeatedly swings the axe. He's working hard but he's not making much progress and chopping up the tree. And so you ask, how long you been at it? Over five hours, he says, and I'm exhausted. And you say, well, why don't you take a break and sharpen your ax? Then your work would go a lot faster. He says, I can't. I don't have time to sharpen the ax. I'm too busy chopping. Well, I don't know if you've ever had the experience of chopping down a tree or cutting up firewood with an ax. But if you have, then you know exactly what this parable means with no explanation necessary. 
There is nothing more frustrating than trying to cut wood with a dull axe. It is miserable work. If not regularly sharpened, the blade on an axe gets dull and gets so rusty it can barely cut through a stick of warm butter. The blade just doesn't cut. A blade like this just sticks in the log and you have to stop and almost with every swing and try to yank it out. You've got to wiggle it back and forth and get it loose. You can't get any rhythm when you cut that way because you have to stop after each swing. And when a dull blade hits hard wood, boy, do you feel it. It's like hitting a steel bar. The vibrations go all the way up your arms and down your spine like an electric shock. Swinging a dull axe is a great recipe to hurt your back. Solomon says, if your axe is dull and you don't sharpen it, you have to work harder to use it. But there's something really satisfying about swinging a sharp axe. The blade almost sings as it sinks effortlessly deep into the wood. You can feel the wood split easy and clean. You get a rhythm going. Your arms and the axe are sort of one. It feels good to swing the axe over your head. And the job is done almost before you know it. Using a, a sharp axe is just smart. Well, Stephen Covey says that that's a parable about how most of us live. Like the man who was chopping up the tree, we are swinging a dull axe and we don't think we can take the time needed to really sharpen the blade. We get so caught up in the busyness of life, we don't take time to figure out how we could do life better. We don't take the time that we need for personal renewal and spiritual growth because we're always go, go, go. And then we wonder why we're so exhausted, why we're so often discouraged about the kind of life that we're living, why our relationships seem strained and why our emotions are so stressed. We're working harder and harder, but not making much progress. Both Stephen Covey and Solomon would say it's because you're swinging a dull axe. And that can happen with churches, too. We can get so busy running programs, offering classes, chasing activities, that we lose track of why we're doing what we're doing. Churches can go on autopilot and just fill up the weekly calendar with one thing after another and yet not really be effective for the kingdom of God. Just because a church is busy doesn't mean it's making any progress for the kingdom. Both individuals and congregations can just be flailing away, but if you're using a dull X, you're just going to get exhausted in the process. So the question I have for us today is, where do you need to sharpen the axe? Where do you need to sharpen your axe personally? And where does your church need to sharpen the axe as a congregation? You see, sharpening the axe begins with an attitude, an attitude that recognizes we are all in need of constant care and constant improvement. An attitude that recognizes that unless we take time for personal renewal, for personal growth, we will get dull. We will lose our edge. We will get rusty. And this is true in all areas of life. Think about whatever profession you're in. If you stop learning, if you stop growing in your profession, if you stop uh, seeing what's new in what you do, if you try to rest on last year's accomplishments and don't continually reinvest yourself in improving your expertise, you're going to be out of a job because the world keeps moving. And if you don't keep your skills current, you will soon be very far behind. Baseball legend Babe Ruth put it this way. Yesterday's home runs don't win tomorrow's games. You know, our digital world is in constant change, so the way people do their work is constantly changing as well. Don't get stuck with yesterday's skills. Sharpen the saw. You know, the churches that manage the COVID 
shutdown and stuff, the best were the churches that were already doing stuff online. So many churches were caught completely flat-footed because they were living in the 19th century and had no online presence at all. Maybe a Facebook page if they were lucky. But no active website, no way to communicate with people, no way to do downloads, no way to do video and streaming kinds of things. If we get stuck with yesterday's skills, it will eventually catch up to us. And that's true as ch- for churches too. And so one of the things that happened during COVID was so many churches just had to launch themselves into something that they were not comfortable with, the old digital age, and realize that what comes across on a camera is not the same as what happens in a room. And so many church services are just so deadly online because they're just doing what they did when people were present and thinking that'll translate into good video or Zoom calls, and it just doesn't. And so there's still this struggle going on about how to access the digital world for churches, and it's a good conversation because we do need to be open to doing things more digitally. That's why I'm doing this uh, podcast, is I had to realize that this is a way, a, a more modern way, of, of doing what I used to do when I did uh, you know, a daily blog online. Blogs are kind of passe now, and so podcasts have taken over, and who knows what's going to come next. I'm not going to get into doing TikTok videos no matter how much you beg me, so that's it. Well, anyway, our relationships require constant attention, constant sharpening, like a garden that's always threatened by weeds. Relationships need constant care, not just our jobs, but our relationships. A week of neglect can take a month of repair in a garden, and the same thing is true in relationships, if neglected, if ignored, if taken for granted, relationships get dull, and then they get weedy, <coughs> and that's no fun at all. And that goes for churches, too. Now, I'm not talking about trying to be hip and happening and following every fad in church life. No. So much of that pressure is not from the Lord at all, and is just kind of ego-driven by pastors who need to feel significant. I'm talking about the general outlook of a congregation. If we rest on our laurels, if a congregation gets complacent or lazy or never takes time to evaluate or take inventory and look ahead, that's usually the first step towards decline. And we have way too many declining churches, especially here in where I am in New England. Sharpening the axe begins when we adopt an attitude that recognizes that just as the body needs both exercise and rest in order to function best, so your mind, your emotions, your soul... And your church all need a sense of regular renewal, regular reinvestment in order to stay sharp and to stay healthy. It's very tempting for churches to rest on their past accomplishments or to be absorbed by the level of activity that goes to take, that, that takes place on a week-to-week basis. So we need to take a step back and ask, where do we need to sharpen the saw? At one time, the church that I served in New Jersey had this statement as its motto. Uh, Our mission is to develop a community of committed Christ followers who are inwardly strong and outwardly focused. And I once tried to illustrate what that meant by using a double-edged axe. The double blade symbolized that to be healthy as a church, and I think also to be healthy as an individual disciple, your life has to have this double nature, inwardly strong, meaning strengthening your own relationship with the Lord, because you cannot give away what you do not possess. You cannot give away what you don't possess. Or another way to say it is, it has to happen to you before it can happen through you. So we have to be inwardly strong. That's one blade on the axe that we need to keep sharp. And outwardly focused is the other blade. 
Being a disciple of Jesus is not just about you. It's about who you are influencing for the sake of Christ. What you are doing to model the kingdom of God in your life, your work, your relationships, your family. So let me suggest a couple of practical ways I think we need to sharpen the axe inwardly in our personal faith and outwardly as we seek to serve Christ in the world. To be inwardly strong, I want to challenge you to take one to do one thing, and that is to take responsibility for your own spiritual growth. As we move into the months ahead, it's a, it, in this particularly in this season of Lent, it's a great time to take a look at where you are in your personal relationship with Christ. Are you growing in your love for Him? Are you making progress in maturing your faith? Or do you feel like the edge is off and your faith is getting rusty? Then it's time to take an inventory of your personal faith and find ways to sharpen your relationship with God. And to do that, you have to take responsibility for your own spiritual growth. It's sort of like getting physically fit. Let's say you recognize that your body is overweight and out of shape. You decide to do something about it. You join a gym or a fitness club. You sign up for a class. You get a personal trainer. They lay out an exercise program for you. It's all good, but the trainer can't go to the gym for you. The trainer can't do the exercises for you. That has to be your responsibility. And the same thing is true in your spiritual life. The church is like a spiritual fitness center. The pastors can offer tools and advice and classes and encouragement, but the church and the pastors can't do the spiritual exercise for you. That's your responsibility. To sharpen the axe, you have to look at the basic spiritual disciplines of prayer and Bible study, worship and fellowship, and be honest about where you are and where you would need to be. If you say you believe in prayer, then you have to ask yourself, do I pray? Do you say to people, I'll pray for you, but then you never do? Do you schedule time in your day to pray? I think it's important to start the day with prayer. What has always worked for me is the uh, 10 minutes in the morning when I used to walk my dog around the block. Now I'm still healing up for my uh, double knee surgery, so that's not happening right now. But that's been my pattern. And that's been always my good time to connect with the Lord as I begin my day. That's what works for me, and I'm looking forward to getting back to it soon. But you have to find what works for you. When is a good time for you to pray? Same thing is true with studying the Bible. Do you schedule time in your week to open the Bible, to read and try to understand and think about God's Word? Using a podcast like this is a great way to do that. Those are two of the basic building blocks of faith, prayer and study. And there really are no substitutes. The church can offer ways to help with those things, but the longer you're a believer, the more you have to take personal responsibility for growing your own faith. So take stock of where you are with Christ and begin to take time each week to sharpen the axe. Outwardly, let me simply say, find your place of service. Find your place of service. Don't just be a spectator. Get involved. Give yourself away. One of the biggest challenges people face in congregations is that you always have too few people doing way too much. And there are just too many good people who are overcommitted in their service to Christ. And the church, they're not just doing one thing, they're doing five, six things. And that's not healthy for anybody. For a church to be a healthy congregation, other people have to step up. They have to sharpen their axe. You have to move beyond just being a consumer to being a participant. To have a healthy faith, you need to find your place to serve because it's in serving others that you often find your own faith get strengthened. So let me challenge you as you pray and read the scriptures, you should also be open to God's leading in finding your place to serve Christ. Every week there are opportunities for service. Ask God where he wants you to serve. Sharpen the axe by finding your place of service. Think on that parable of the man chopping the tree with a dull axe. He's working very hard, but he's making little progress. He's exhausted. He's frustrated. He's discouraged. 
never taking time to sharpen the axe. Don't be like that. Abraham Lincoln once said, if I had eight hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend six hours sharpening my axe. That's good advice for us. Sharpen your double-edged axe. Inwardly take responsibility for your spiritual growth. Outwardly find your place of service. Let's be razor sharp for Christ this week. Have a good one.